0: Hello, this is David Ferris reporting from 15,700 feet, Plaza Argentina, on the slopes of Mount Aconcagua in Argentina. Um, I would like to tell you about my um, summit attempt. At about 2 p.m. yesterday, um, Wednesday the 24th, I climbed to just over 21,000 feet, which is the highest I would get on my attempt to summit Aconcagua, about 1,600 feet higher than where I stood. Let me tell you what happened on the way there. We awoke about 3.45 a.m. and hit the trail in the dark at about 5.30 in the morning. From the beginning, I felt like a frozen lobster. I was clattering over the rocks in my steel crampons. I couldn't hear anything through my three layers of hats, and I could only see what was in the little pool of light from my headlamp. My hands were numb from the cold and were so bundled inside by gloves and mittens that I could hardly grip my walking poles. We had planned to start together, but something had broken down. And by the time I reached the snow-covered trailhead, I could see the headlamps of most of our group about 15 minutes ahead. A 28-year-old Argentinian guide, who we call Gudi, had been assigned to the rear of our group. He was one of our three guides. He asked me early on in Spanish, David, can you move any faster? Which I, t- I took as a bad sign that early in the day. It immediately became clear that three of us would make up the rear guard, Frank Fumitz, a businessman from the Washington, D.C. area, Dmitry, a Russian living in the Bay Area and working as a software programmer, and me. I exclude our guide, Goody, from this number because he rushed up the trail and we didn't see him again for another three hours. I've mentioned in earlier posts that I've had trouble catching my breath once we climbed over 14,000 feet. Of course, everyone has trouble breathing at this altitude. That's what makes mountaineering so hard but I haven't adapted the way my teammates have. These lungs that have served me so well at sea level and that have performed admirably on my other climbs to high altitude failed me on this trip. I trained hard by running stairs, lifting weights, and going on long weekend hikes with a heavy backpack. I've had good climbing experience, and I'm also the youngest member of our expedition. But this time, on this expedition, I found myself moving slowly and gasping for breath as my teammates passed on by. Summit day was no exception. As the light slowly filled the sky and the surrounding Andean peaks revealed themselves, Frank was having a tough time and wanted to turn back. I talked him into continuing, but I was having difficulties too. The only way I could move forward, in the face of so many hours yet to go, was to count off a hundred steps at a time. One hundred, then another hundred, then another hundred. I climbed this way until about 9.30 a.m., or we reached a group of rocks called Piedras Negras at about 20,200 feet. There, we again encountered our guide, Gwiti, who offered no real words of encouragement, just an ultimatum that if we didn't get to Refugio Independencia, the next landmark, by 11 a.m., we would have to turn around. The next section of climbing was one of the hardest things I've ever done. It took three breaths for every step, and still I felt the energy draining from me. This time it was Frank who provided the necessary encouragement for me to continue. I staggered up the trail to Refugio Independencia, being passed by every other climber as we went, regardless of age or gender. One of those included Dimitri, who had more pep than Frank or I. The two of us reached Refugio Independencia at about 20,500 feet, about 1045 in the morning. There, once again, we met our guide, Gwudi, who gave us another ultimatum, If we didn't reach the Canaletta, a rock formation at 21,500 feet by 3 p.m., then we would not be allowed to continue and would have to wait for the rest of our party to descend from the summit and go down from there. There's something odd about our situation with our guide, Gwudi. A guide's job is usually to stay with you, providing encouragement and support. Gwudi was like an impatient dog, zooming up the trail ahead of us and waiting only long enough to deliver the next batch of bad news. Frank and I pressed on. At about 21,000 feet, I was walking at a snail's pace, taking three steps per breath, even on a gentle slope, and so starved for oxygen that I was falling asleep on my feet. It was then that Frank decided to go ahead of me. I can't blame him. The only chance he had of making the summit was to go up as quickly as possible. So Frank went ahead with Woody, and I was all alone, without any company or any guidance about what to do. I was exhausted and couldn't think straight. I had been told, in effect, that I wouldn't summit no matter how hard I tried. So I sat down on some rocks and stayed there, staring off into the Andes for about an hour. A few other climbers said hello as they passed by. I felt content and quite comfortable, even though I couldn't feel my hands. I remembered, however, that this is how a lot of people die at high altitude, because um, because their brains are so scrambled that they simply forget to descend. I had to make a decision. I put my backpack on and was ready to climb down when Gwitty showed up. I said in Spanish, I want to go down. Good decision, he replied. So we went down. It took about an hour and a half. When I got back to the tent, about 4.30, I collapsed inside. I only crawled outside to lose the little bit of food I had managed to eat that day. I spent most of the rest of the afternoon dozing and looking at a bottle of sports drink that I know I was supposed to drink but I couldn't bring myself to put down. The group got back about 7 p.m. I remember Terry crawling into our tent, looking like she returned from the death march. Then I fell asleep from about 7 p.m. Wednesday until 9 a.m. today, Thursday. Today, I returned to the land of the living. We took about five hours to make our 5,000 foot descent back to Plaza Argentina. I talked to you from our blue mess tent, which is half half the size it was when I last saw it. On Monday, 100-mile-an-hour winds tore through Plaza Argentina, destroying half of our structure. The cook had hamburgers ready for us, and they tasted like ambrosia. Tomorrow, we continue our descent and reach civilization on Saturday. Keep visiting the Ferris Files. I will have more updates for you about mountain life as we descend. Reporting from base camp, Plaza Argentina, on Thursday, January 25th. I'm David Ferris.